buried beneath the rubble of time are stories of God's sovereign hand moving in our great nation. Many believers, hopeless, frustrated, and confused, have all but given up on America. But we have faced dark times before, and by divine providence, overcome. From our studio on Capitol Hill, I'm your host, Brad Wells, with Pastor Mike Creed and Andrew Friedenstein. Now, what does the defeat of Napoleon Bonaparte, the burning of Washington, D.C., and a tornado have to do with each other? And take a moment with us to look back and really find hope from history. The year was 1814. Great Britain and the United States have now been at war for two years in what we call the War of 1812. Great Britain's focus was divided in two. They were fighting us as well as a separate war with Napoleon Bonaparte, the Emperor of France. After defeating Napoleon, they were able to turn their full attention on us. They set their sights on the Chesapeake Bay, specifically Baltimore, or so everyone thought. Now, why Baltimore, Andrew? Um, What's so special about Baltimore? Well, Baltimore was the base for a large number of privateers that were harassing British ships out on the sea. Baltimore was actually preparing for and expecting a British attack, but the leadership in Washington, D.C. was for the most part convinced that the British were only interested in Baltimore and not D.C. As a result, they didn't set up any real substantial defense for our nation's capital. And we understand that Baltimore is only 37 miles from D.C., just a day's march. And on top of that, they obtained some secret British documents that stated D.C. was the target. But they thought they were false papers, and so they just disregarded them. Wow. Now, the British saw an easy prize, and they jumped at the opportunity. They planned to capture D.C. and ransom it before attacking Baltimore. D.C. didn't hold any strategic military value to the British, but they were hoping to get millions of dollars off of ransoming it back to the U.S., This was a fairly common practice in that day and age. With a group of ships and battle-hardened veterans from the war with France, they landed a force on the west side of the Chesapeake Bay and started marching to D.C. General Winder, who was the commander of the local militia around D.C. and in charge of defending D.C., he hastily gathered 6,000 troops together, militiamen at the town of Bladensburg, Maryland, to stop the British advance. The good news was that Winder's 6,000 militiamen outnumbered the 2,000 British troops by a ratio of 3 to 1. All right. But that is where the good news stops. He was routed by the British in an embarrassing fashion. The 6,000 troops ran away in every direction. In fact, some British reports call this the Bladensburg Racist, They don't even call it a battle. So how in the world did we get beaten so badly when we had such a huge numbers advantage? There are normally several reasons why someone wins and someone loses a battle. Sure. In this case, there is one glaring reason. The British had excellent leadership, and we had abysmal leadership. There are reports of General Winder giving several contradicting orders in a matter of a few minutes. He orders the troops to march forward and then backwards and then forward until the militia just broke up in utter confusion, and eventually they just all ran, and it was pretty humiliating. Wow. 
A fun little side note about this battle was a fairly new weapon the British deployed with some surprising results. It was called the Congreve rocket. Now, it wasn't the rocket that probably popped up into all of our minds when we hear the word rocket. It was a pipe packed with powder with a warhead on it. And then it was put into another pipe and launched. It was not a very effective weapon. In fact, it may not have even killed anybody, but it was very scary looking and it made a lot of noise, especially to militiamen who had never encountered it before. All right, so it just it's just the element of chaos and confusion. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so they defeat the militia and they march unobstructed right into the city. They search for someone to parlay with or what we might say negotiate with, right. but the city was abandoned. Except for several militiamen in the top of a building just about a half block from our studio here waiting for the British to ride up the road. And mm-hmm. As they came into town, one of them took aim on a, an officer and fired and killed his horse, which caused great anger among the British. Yes, and so the British got really angry. Because there was no one to negotiate with, they just decided to burn Washington, D.C. to the ground. The British first burned the President's Mansion and the Capitol Building. It is recorded that the flames that burnt D.C. could be seen from over 30 miles away in the night sky. Now, wait a second. Hold on. Uh, What's the President's Mansion? Well, the president's mansion is what we now call the White House. Uh, In fact, it became the White House because of this very night. Mm -hmm. The president's mansion was more of a gray color on the exterior. Now, after it was damaged, but not completely destroyed by the fire, they painted it white to cover up the scorch marks from the fire. Hence how it got its name, the White House. And interesting enough, there's still a stone archway in the White House to this day that bears marks of the fire from over 200 years ago. And you go and look on the internet and find pictures of that today. That archway is actually leading right into the kitchen there at the White House. Wow. That's pretty amazing. The White House in and of itself is kind of like a time capsule reminding us history. Mm -hmm. And so the British spent that night in D.C. The next day they got ready to finish destroying the city. But that is when something unexpected and miraculous took place. A violent storm suddenly descended on D.C. To be perfectly honest, there are some conflicting reports on whether a tornado, a typhoon, or if it was just an extremely powerful thunderstorm. Regardless, the effects were the same. The wind was so strong that some of the British soldiers were not able to remain on their feet. It also extinguished any fires that were still going on from the previous night. And it prevented the British from burning anything else. Upon seeing the magnitude of the storm, the British commander immediately ordered everyone to return to the ships. D.C. was saved from complete destruction by a storm. There was a failure in preparing the city, and there was a failure of leadership during that battle. And yet, we see how God allowed a destructive storm actually to come in and preserve what was left of D.C. So, sometimes God chooses to intervene in miraculous ways even when we make a mess of things. In the Bible, there are certain times that we see individuals that really blow it, but God works all things together for good. We find Peter, for example, he denied Christ, and when that rooster crowed, he wept bitterly. Yet we find God used him to preach one of the most powerful messages of the Bible, 
at Pentecost, and in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, we see there were over 3,000 folks that were saved and then followed the Lord in scriptural baptism. So we got to remember that failure is not final. Be sure to listen each week and find hope from history. Learn more on our website, awakeamericaonline.org. Subscribe, share, consider partnering with us in prayer.